Welcome, everybody. Filibuster Freestyle. It's going to be a sports jerks edition of the Filibuster Freestyle. It's going to be a tennis Wimbledon edition of the Filibuster Freestyle. And that means the return of Andy Maslin, a man who needs no introduction, a man who is an expert on many things. But he has been since the inception of this show back in 2015, our Racket, lawn, and turf sports expert, and you know that Wimbledon involves turf, aka grass, and it definitely involves rackets. So we're bringing him in to talk about Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, historical five-setter today from the All England Tennis Club. But here comes the theme song. Filibuster, filibuster, freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster, filibuster, freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. It's the filibuster, freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. As promised, Andy Mazin joins us from deep into the Tampa Bay area, Sarasota to be exact. I'm guessing, Andy Maz, are we in Sarasota tonight? We are in Sarasota tonight. We board a flight for Columbus in the morning. Um, it is about 8 billion degrees here. Uh, has been for a solid month. Uh, so in, when, I, when I'm in Columbus, it will be in the 60s in the evening. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you're going to be feeling like it's wintertime, my friend. Yeah. yeah well, we, are, we are glad to have you back. It's been too long. Um, you have been since the inception of the show the turf lawn and racket sports expert of the show. And today, Novak Djokovic going for history on a number of fronts. He was going for his 24th major, which would have tied Margaret Court for the, you know, regardless of gender, most Grand Slam championships. Yeah, I think he was going for his ninth Wimbledon, which would have been a record that he's already... He is tied with Federer already at eight, but if he wins nine, it's his own. He was going for, I believe, a fifth straight or a sixth straight, I think fifth straight. So he had a lot going for him, and across the net was the young 20-year-old number one player in the world, Carlos Alcaraz, who just about six weeks ago or less, five weeks ago, played Djokovic in the final of the French Open at Roland Garros, and actually his body kind of quit on him, which is ironic for a 20-year-old going up against the 36-year-old and getting cramps. But today, after the first set especially, the tide turned, and the 20-year-old does what 20-year-olds typically do against people who are pushing 40, which is outlast them. Andy, man, so much to talk about. Where do you want to start? Um, I definitely think today I'm going to put – you know, fitness and age as the number two factor. Sure. Um, you know, as we talk about the match, that second set tie break, I feel like killed Joker. Yeah. Um, which overall, I, I, I didn't feel like Joker had his A game today. A lot of unforced errors. And, and early on, I almost felt like, um, like the Birdman of Alcatraz had so many unforced errors himself that he was keeping him in it. Mm. I I just didn't think Joker had his A game today. And as as the match went on, um, not having his A game, being fatigued after that second set, he just didn't stand a chance. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost, uh, you know, I think what, I think what Alcaraz learned from the French was, listen, if you're down in the first set, you don't get any points in terms of winning the match for making it harder on Djokovic to get out of the first set. Like once he went up three, nothing, I feel like Alcaraz said, okay, like we're playing at least four sets today. 
you know, and not saying he, 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 he didn't try, but I think in the French Open, he was trying to prove that he could play at that level every single point. And that played right into Djokovic's hands, which is, you know, if you're going to over try, even when I'm playing great, then you're going to run yourself ragged. And I think today he shut it down a little in the first set. The second set was a must win for Alcaraz. But to your point, once it started being really close and we got to a tiebreak, which Djokovic was up 3 nothing in the start, he was going for the kill. Alcaraz dug deep. Alcaraz found a way. And to your point, I think getting the second set not only killed Djokovic for the third set, but it was a two-to-one swing. I think if Djokovic had won, I think he still was going to drop the third set because how tired he was. But he yeah, lost the second um, set and the third set. And that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I always feel like the, uh, the third set, once Joker went down, he kind of mailed it in. Yes. Energy. Agreed. He de- he did the same thing, which is he said, okay, <laughs> I'm down three love. I'm down four one. Let's get out of this. Let's fight for our life in the fifth. Um, sorry, the fourth, the fourth. And, you know, he the fourth was a good battle. And uh, the fifth was a good battle. But, but the epic set was definitely set number two, the tiebreak set. And I think you're right. That gassed Djokovic. And I do think Alcaraz had his A game today. Um, after the after the first set, after the first set, it was a little. He was a little. Uh, I will say nerves probably got him. Sure. Well, he also like has only played on grass like literally less than twenty times in his life, apparently, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well- I'll go off topic. I'll go on a tangent. We always joke. I, I have these twin cousins who are five or six years younger than me. Yeah. And they're sports fans in general, but they're not super into sports. Like, they know hockey pretty much inside and out. But some of the other stuff, the sports, they don't know. And my brother and I often joke that um, it's almost like they moved to Canada and started football and could only remember half the rules. Right. And so that's why you have the Canadian Football League. But I'm thinking, you know, England, obviously, you know, our forefathers, our country, you know, comes from there. It's like uh, when, when tennis came to America, you know, mostly played on grass in England, the Americans just like, ah, we got some good cement over here. This will be better for tennis. Playing cement, exactly. <laughs> and so... Nobody, I mean, the grass season is literally five weeks long. It's the shortest surface season of the three surfaces. And obviously it's the most prestigious and well-known tournament in Wimbledon, which is very ironic that the most prestigious tournament is played on the surface that is played the least of the year. Um, But so to your point, it's a global sport and so be it. Um, But, you know, I think, first of all, when Alcaraz Buzzed. So what happens with Djokovic with these young guys lately, besides Alcaraz, is he'll beat you in the, the French Open and then you won't make another final for like two years. Like he demoralizes guys. Yeah. And what was wild is that Alcaraz obviously won the U.S. last year. Djokovic wasn't there. Um, so he'd, he'd won a major before, but he, he lost to Djokovic at Roland Garros and was losing five, five love in the first set. And you're like, man... This guy kind of broke this guy too. But then Alcaraz did something that like the other guys, Sitsipas, Zverev, et cetera, have not been able to do, which is no, like he could raise his game to that next level. So I guess my question for you is not that this is not my question about is Djokovic done winning majors. I, I 
One, I think the answer is no, and two, I, I want to hear that later. But is Alcaraz very capable in your mind of going on a run in which he becomes the guy that Djokovic and Nadal and Federer just were for the last 20 years? Yeah, I, I think he's the guy. He's showing that he's the guy that can do that. The question with all these guys is is longevity. I Correct. mean, when you look at Federer, Nadal, and Joker, no one has quite had the longevity that they've had, and that's why they've been able to, to run up the titles. Yes. Um, the, the advantage that Alcaraz has right now is once Joker's done, and, and like I said, we'll get into that. I don't think he's done yet, but, you know, I don't think Joker has another five years in him. No. Unless someone comes along, Alcaraz doesn't have a true rival as of right now. Correct. Correct. Yeah, right now. I mean, honestly, right now his rival would would be Djokovic in terms of, like, who can play tennis at that level, right? And, yeah, there are other guys who are great. I mean, you know, to be honest, I mean, when Alcaraz took care of Medvedev, who's a great player, who's won a couple major, at least one major, um... You know, I'm like, man, Medvedev's a really tough guy on grass, and, and this guy, this kid, took care of him pretty, you know, straight sets. So, yeah, Djokovic has found he's finally found a rival who, you know, it's not like it's Nadal where Nadal is relentless and is obviously a clay expert and a defensive expert, and it's not like Federer who was older than Djokovic and kind of had a head start. Uh, Djokovic had to catch him. It's like, no, now the tables have turned and you're 36 and he's hitting slices and lobs and making you run around like a crazy person. And he's feeling great because he's 20. And it's, it's very interesting. I think these next 18 to 24 months, if they're both healthy, are going to be really interesting to see how this, how it shakes out. I can see a lot of finals between the two of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll have a couple specialists and, and, um, Djokovic at his age, you know, catch him on the wrong day. Someone can upset him. Um, and on the other end, I think Alcaraz is just not mature enough yet that he could easily get caught in, in an earlier round. Yes. You know, in a quarterfinal and a semifinal, um, you know, it, on the right surface or the wrong surface. But there, there's no one else right now that can compete in all four on all four surfaces like these two can. Right, exactly. And so we've got ourselves maybe the next guy to shoot for. He's kind of like a generation and a half, maybe even almost two full generations behind Djokovic, at least in terms of normal tennis generations pre these long careers. But I guess the other thing I want to talk about is Djokovic today going for number 24. We've talked about this before. He cost himself... At least one, the U.S. Open a couple years ago when he got DQ'd for th- throating that judge with a tennis ball in frustration. Um, he was going to win that year. Um, and then he obviously didn't get to be in Australia uh, or the U.S. relative to some COVID stuff, I believe. So, um, yeah. you know, he, he cost himself three chances. But, you know, beating, beating Nadal, um, you know, and getting the French this year when Nadal wasn't in it, you know, those two things really helped propel him to a point where he's got the most men's of all time. But today was the day when he was going to catch Margaret Court and try to make her, you know, forever, forever obsolete in terms of the all-time, all-time record by the U.S. Open. And now it's kind of like, yeah, Alcaraz is the defending U.S. champion. Djokovic is still stuck on, not stuck, but he's on 23. And I guess the question for me going into the U.S. Open, knowing nothing about health or anything else is, 
Are we more likely to see Alcaraz win another another slam here, or are we more likely to see Djokovic finally get number twenty? Finally, sorry, get number twenty four. Um, I think one, uh, you know, clearly the throating the ref, uh, the ump was a was one. But you could you can probably think that the couple of years of COVID probably cost Djokovic two or three. At least one title and two or three good chances, you know. Yeah, exactly. With all the stuff going on around. I think he could have twenty six right now. Um, and he's cost himself some of this stuff. Um, I just think the slam for a guy that age it would be incredible if he could do it. He's definitely talented enough, but I just think the toll it takes to be playing deep into all these tournaments and all the extra pressure that goes along with it. I think for him to win a slam this early would would be a stretch. Uh, sure. It would be awesome if he could do it, but I think it would be a stretch. Yeah, no doubt. So I think, you know, Djokovic is always good in Australia when he's able to play. Um, he's if, if Nadal's not in the French, you got to like Djokovic. And then and obviously today was an eye-opener a little bit in terms of how good Alcaraz played on grass. But to your point, Djokovic clearly had his fastball in the first set, and then he he, he struggled to keep that momentum going. And that's the other thing about when you get older. And we saw this with Federer a few years ago. I think Djokovic actually even mentioned it in his concession speech. He's like, you know, in 2019, I had like two, three match points against me and we ended up winning. You know, and today, obviously, I lose and maybe now we're even. But it's like, you know, that's how good Federer had to be to beat Djokovic two years ago, three years ago. And he couldn't do it. And today it was similar. It's like Alcaraz was just going to keep coming once he found his footing and won that tiebreaker. In that second set, and he really did basically win two sets for one by winning that tiebreaker because he yeah. broke he broke Djokovic in terms of uh, just f- f- uh, physically, I think. Yeah, and, and I watched most of the first set. I watched the entire second set. Um, I walked away for a little bit of the third set, um, and then um, I, ca- I, ca- I missed the fourth set also. Um, but I watched the fifth set while I was at a restaurant. Uh, we had some some time at the aquarium uh, during some hey, of the duty calls. It's a five-hour tennis match. Now. You know what I mean? Five-hour tennis uh, match. She kept disappearing to watch on the phone a little bit. Um, the the octopus wanted to watch with me, so that's why. <laughs> well, they're very smart animals. Uh, yeah, he had money on it. Um, <laughs> but um, I will say it was an all-time racket smash. I believe in oh. the fifth set. Yeah, he but really he, took a. Took a, he, he smoked that racket, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and now, now someone watching these smashes in like the super slow-mo that all the cameras have, like, damn. He, he, gave, he gave that a beat, and it was awesome to watch it explode. Um, but I think his frustration is because um, he knew he didn't have his game today. Yeah, right, right. Um, and, and my other prediction going forward is it will be either Australia or the U.S. Open, one of the two of them. Alcaraz will get beat by somebody in the semis yep. in the order of quarters, and that will give Joker his chance, his shot at that twenty-four. There you go. Yeah, I, and I've asked you this a million times, and to be honest, it was like for so long it was like probably not, and then all of a sudden it was like it probably. Which the answer is, can this guy get to twenty-five? And obviously, if he got today, I think the answer is absolutely. I still think he can get to 25, even though if you asked me this two years ago, I would have said no way after he cost himself the U.S. Open and didn't get to play in a couple. Um, I still think he's going to get 25, but I, I do think 26, the way Alcaraz played today and the way that 
that's going to not only give Alcaraz confidence, obviously, I think that's got to give some of the other guys a little bit of confidence of like, because to your point, Alcaraz is going to lose some matches here, right? And guys are going to say, man, I can be Alcaraz. Alcaraz can be Joker. Like, I can do this, you know? Yeah, some of the mystique of, of Joker was, was broken today, you know, in the finals. That 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 tiebreaker he lost is something that he always wins. Yeah, he's been 15-0 and 0 in his last 15 tiebreakers until today. Yeah, yeah, getting to that fifth championship set and losing, it's like that's something he does, you know. Um, similar to, to, you know, when all of a sudden the, the Red Sox broke Rivera, you know. Right. Like, he was unhittable and then... Look at him. He came back to earth a lot after the Sox were able to hit him. You know, it, it, there, there was something, or maybe even the Diamondbacks. Yeah, right. I think they might have got to him first, to your point. But, yeah, I think that's, you know. that's right. And, and, you know, it's, again, I still think he's going to get to 24. I definitely think he's got he's going to get to 25. I, I think 25 and a half is the new over-under, and I don't know that I'm taking the over. Um, because I Not because he doesn't have the will – or the body, but I think just like Federer found out, at some point everybody just is a level above and you're starting to slip. And I mean, you know what today was kind of like, honestly? Today was a little bit like, you know, and again, Tom Brady had a better game in this in this Eagles Super Bowl, but like it's like now Djokovic is in that window where he's good enough to win any major, but he's also it's not the domination we saw. You know the last three okay. years. Well, if you want to make the break, you're talking about the, the past loss to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, right? Correct. If we really want to make the comparison, numbers wise, that was Brady's best Super Bowl. It was. The game, the game has changed so much, and the same with Joker. Joker. Exactly. The, Good, great point. The game has just changed so much. He's still at a high level, and he's as good as he ever was. But everyone else is is just at a higher level than they were. Five years ago, ten years ago. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, the only the only other fly in the ointment here is you know that, and I don't know if Nadal is going to be able to do it, but you know that Nadal is going to come back to try to get one more run at the French, and if he can be healthy for it, you got to like his chances if he can get through the first couple of rounds in the house that basically he built, for lack of a better term. But that's the only real wrinkle here because I honestly think. To your point, you know, Djokovic, Djokovic may get a little bit, I don't say lucky, but if Alcaraz gets knocked out, everybody's playing to beat Djokovic again for sure. But then I think you get back to the French Open again, and if, if Nadal's not there, I, fi- I feel like Djokovic finds a way. I think he's actually become a really great clay pay- player because he knew he had to like, compete with a, a genius like Nadal. Um, so say Nadal plays in the French next year. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes, he could win it, but how effective do you think he'll be? How effective do I think he'll be relative to that to that that one tournament or or the rest? I, I, like, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, by the time the French rolls around, will be, will be you know out of competitive tennis, a year older. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably more likely to be like Federer was a couple of years ago in his final Wimbledon, where it was like, can he make a run? Can he make the quarters type of thing? You know, and then anything after that is really house money, you know? Throw, throw the records out the window. Exactly, exactly. 
Because I will say this, with the exception of Djokovic, I think Nadal definitely has a mystique at Roland Garros against anybody. You know, they're going to freak. If he can bring any kind of A-minus game, they're going to freak because they're playing, you know, the guy. But anyway, today's not necessarily about Nadal. But no, I mean, I think Djokovic has actually finally flipped now that Nadal's basically done, Federer is done. Now there is a young gun who clearly can beat Djokovic, if Djokovic doesn't have his best day, I think Djokovic is going to start getting a little bit more of that sentimental fan favorite thing that he's craved. People like him, don't get me wrong, but like he hasn't had that beloved universal vibe of, of Nadal and Federer that I think he now may actually today might help him get. If he wins another one or two or three, I think they're going to be that much more sweet for him. And then I think people are going to feel a little bit better or about feeling good for him versus not wanting to see him succeed because they liked the other guys better. Yeah, and the other guys were a little more popular earlier. They probably have a better look and a better PR team around them than Djokovic always has. A lot of people went nuts over the COVID stuff. He kind of has... And I'm not making fun of his looks. It's just just how it is. He kind of has that, like, um, you know, old communist look, like, shaped face, you know... Yeah, like and a movie villain Bond. type deal. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. When, and when it, when he could be a Bond villain. Um, when it comes down to, you know, fan favorites, you know, subconsciously a lot of that plays in. Totally, especially when the, when the uh, you're splitting hairs, right? Like the, 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 diff- the differences in talent and game and all of it are minute. So then you start looking at, oh, I like the way this guy wears his hair. I like the way this guy, you know, whatever, to your point, it's just, you're splitting hairs. But I will say this, and you were on this, you were willing to concede this earlier than I was. I think he's now in the unassailable spot of like, he's won the most, he's been number one, the longest, he's has the most majors. I think if you're gonna, you can still pick your favorites in terms of you like the way Federer played better. You think Nadal's a genius on clay or whatever, but I think you got to make the case, regardless of today's result, that with 23 majors, with it likely to be 24 plus, this guy is mathematically the goat, right? Like, what? yeah, and I still think in a popularity contest, he barely tops tops the cracks that cracks the top five. Agreed, agreed. And he's a clear third between Federer and Nadal. Correct, behind Federer and Nadal. Totally, but I think he's. I think you got to give it to him that whether you like it or not, he, he's he's probably accomplished the most. Um, and the fact that he did it coming from behind, I saw some crazy stat a couple of weeks ago about like, I think Federer had 10, had 10 grand slam champion, you know, 10 major championships when Federer, won, uh, sorry, when Djokovic won his first. Um, yeah. and obviously he's, yeah, he's younger. He's like six years younger. So the guy should have more, but, but, you know, you're coming from nine down and then you get to a point where. Federer wins 10 more and you find a way to win 22 more. That's pretty wild, you know, um, pretty wild. So anyway, I, I feel like you're on, you're on the same state uh, side as me as saying, I think 24 is going to happen. And I think 25 is likely to happen. Would you go as far as to say that? Yeah, I, I, I 24, I would put as a slam dunk 25, probably Uh, anything more than that the cards will certainly have to fall right with injuries or someone else knocking up a top guy top guy or him just just turning back the clocks for a night yeah there you go i like that i like that so there you go and then lawn and sports um 
So I got a quick outlandish one for you, and then I think you have one back for me, and neither one of us know what it is, so I like it. Uh, so um, the NCAA has a rule where like any sport that they sponsor, people who are, work within the NCAA in any way, including like at schools, can't bet on any sports the NCAA puts on. So for instance, someone who worked at a school could bet on auto racing because the NCAA doesn't sponsor auto racing, right? But that just got me thinking about with the popularity of stock car racing in the Southeast especially, and with the popularity of things like Formula One exploding in the last three years in the United States, do you think some of these big schools and or some of these tech schools like MIT should start NCAA like Formula One or NASCAR racing? Um, first, as soon as you started talking about like gambling and sports, my automatic, I, I go back to early 90s and think Rick Neuheisel at Washington getting fired for being an NCAA basketball pool. Um, yes. But it's, it's an interesting topic. As you were thinking, talking about it, it would take the major auto manufacturers yeah. to dump a bunch of money into it. Yeah. Because each car to run that team is probably going to cost you more to run than any other sport you have outside of maybe football. I agree. Totally. I could also see it happening, and, and maybe it's just the world that I work in, and I see it and I hear it every day. Yeah, I could see something of it of it coming about as a way to push the trades. Right. Well, think and, about it. You got engineering. You got it's, it's it's you know it's not NASCAR or F one, but it's school, and, and not only the top engineering schools. Um, but, but some other schools as to have a good automotive program. Right. Yeah. See, the thing is they're already kind of doing this in some of these schools anyway, any school that has, right. So that's kind of what I'm thinking is I think there's actually a niche there where it, it, it might actually fit the educational mission better, um, than say, I don't know. Yeah. Men's soccer. I don't know. Right. So it's like, it's just interesting to think about. It could, because here's the thing. The thing about auto racing is if you know who the people are, you might you might have an opinion and care. But if you already like the school, like if you already are an Auburn fan and you hate Alabama and your team is racing, even if it's drag racing, and you're drag racing against Alabama in the Iron Bowl, you know, funny car series, you already have a team that you like and don't like. I mean, it's I can see it being very interesting to people very quickly. Yeah. First, you know, we always joke, you know, that that second to last week of the SEC season, you know, I always say, oh, Alabama's playing uh, New England tractor trailer this week. So that might be a sport that New England tractor trailer could feel the competitive team. They actually can play. Exactly. Or Um, maybe it's monster truck. Maybe it's NCAA monster trucks. You know, who knows? But two, you know, monster trucks are one thing. But when you're talking true auto racing, the only downside I could actually see is there's already an established path to um, professional racing at all levels. You know, starting out in go-karts and working your way up to dirt track and this, that, and the other thing. And with the world we're in right now where everyone hates the NCAA for everything. um, Totally. That's a good point. And I still contend in 10 years the NCAA 
is is not going to exist in the revenue sports. There's going to be an outside body, you know, running it. Right. Well, I guess that's my point. Even let's say we get to that point where an outside body is running it. I can see something like auto racing actually being more of a draw than several other sports. Well, and then you think about it, you think about where some of these major schools are. And, and I've been traveling the Southeast quite a lot recently, like Tuscaloosa, surrounded by nothing, small city. Um, Starkville, surrounded by no- nothing, small city. Oxford, um, Hattiesburg, they're, they're all the, up- I mean, Hattiesburg is probably the biggest of those cities. And, and you know, that's, um, um, that's that's University of Southern Mississippi. That's not even one of the big schools. You know, Gainesville, a lot of land. Like these schools could easily build a track and some of the rural area around them and have a whole university project. Yeah, you know, if you if, 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 and you could talk. These are true student athletes. They've built the car. They've done this. They've done the engineering. Our uh, automotive department has worked on it. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, so it's interesting. It's an interesting case study. That's all. So. That's what I had for you. And by the way, to those of you who listened to the Sports Jerks talk Red Sox the other day, I teased that in the opener and I never got to it. So if you really stuck through it and you stuck through this pod, there you go. That's what I was talking about. Andy Maz, you said you got something for me. What do you got for me? Uh, okay. Uh, how many years until pickleball is an absolutely obsolete sport? It's clearly the fad right now. You know, I'm really glad you asked about this because myself and Chief Marketing Officer Cindy Harrington had a conversation about this the other day, I think in the car. And we both are shockingly on the same page where we can't believe it's on television. It's like, why is anybody paying to watch this? Like, I understand the recreational um, opportunity of doing this and having some fun, but if if... Yeah, I think it's going to go the way of, I don't know, I can't even think of what, because it's going to be like another, like roller skating, like going to the roller rink. Like that was a huge thing, and then it became a niche thing, and now I'm sure it's somewhere. I feel like pickleball is going to be a little bit like that, in my humble opinion. How do you think I, about I, it? I, I agree. I actually was just, someone sent me like a uh, TikTok, TikTok or something today and it was a comedian and he he said it's for people not athletic athletic enough to play tennis and not rich enough to play golf right and it's like the sport that you play if you're not athletic enough to play tennis is doubles tennis (laughs) right or racquetball or or squash right and so like like you don't you yeah to your point it's it's i just don't see the reason you wouldn't play doubles tennis instead or like racquetball is it really that different than badminton? I think only because the ball bounces. Yeah. Because uh, in badminton, what's it called? The shuttlecock? The shuttlecock can't touch the ground, right? Yeah. Um, but I, uh, like, I, I can I, I can think it's a fad it, like badminton was here in the 70s. That's what I think it is. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see it becoming an Olympic sport. I really could, just because the Olympics are a bunch of weirdos. Um, but I... Like, I see, like, just a lot of money being invested in it. You know, tennis courts being converted to pickleball courts. Like, pickleball clubs going up in, like, these old warehouses. And it's like, is the money really there? Are people just striking while they're hot? Or, I mean, more than likely, it's going to be one of those things. Like, whoever has the best, maybe that city will be enough to support one of those. And if people get in first and people do it right, will be fine. 
but there's going to be you're going to see these clubs like like failing all over. Yeah. So you know? some, here's the thing: somebody's going to make money on this forever, but most people are not. Yeah, I think the people who are going to make money off it probably already have, correct? Already invested, right? Um, and then the market's just going to become saturated, right? It's going. I mean, again, I, I didn't really bother to learn much about about crypto, but. Um, you know, the people who got paid money to tell you to go into crypto, it sounds like even some of them invested or took like equity so they didn't make any money anyway. But like, let's say I just took $10 million fee to say, hey, get into FTX. I'm the only one who made money off of that because I took my money, but it was still good and I ran. But if you actually went for the equity, you lost. And so to your point, if I'm the guy pouring concrete to make these pickleball courts, yep, I made my money. If I'm the guy who started the club that actually, to your point, can, can survive for 50 years, I made my money. But if I'm the guy who's going to be at the fifth guy in in the market in every city in the country, yeah, I'm going to lose my shirt. Yeah, and then on the equipment side, you know, a company like Franklin who makes nothing great, you right. know, but everything for the backyard sports. They'll make money off it because they're just shifting their business model a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and they'll just do scale. Machine. I mean, they're just going to – yeah, they're just going to make I, less tennis rackets, less – you know, batting gloves this year, and they're going to make more pickleball rackets. That's all. But but Johnny Johnny uh, Johnny Jingle Pants, who was like, "Oh well, I've invented the best pickleball racket that the best players in the world are using." No one cares. What was his name? Johnny Jingle Pants. Yeah, that's a great name for a guy. <laughs> that's a great name for a guy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I you know, and Cindy was with us too. I, I you know, listen. I like to t- I like to tip the cap when I think something's going to work out. I. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to be a hater. I just, to your point, that whoever told you the whole thing about if people who aren't athletic enough to play tennis and not rich enough to play golf, I mean, it's a pretty good analogy. It's, it's a very interesting niche, and I feel like those people will just find something else to do eventually. Yeah, and eventually it's going to come down. The old people are going to start complaining because the young people are taking over, and the young people are just going to get sick of it, and the old people will have it back. Also true. Also true. Kind of like uh, social media, you know, just kind of, you know, a new one starts. Most of them don't, most of them are not successful. Some of them are. Those make the ones that people used to have obsolete to young people, old people use them. And then it goes and it goes and it goes. And it's just that way with recreational sports. I love it. So, yeah, man, I, I, I'm with you on that. I don't think, I don't think it's going to go and be the rocket ship that, that I think a lot of investors hope it is. Boom. I, uh- we are on the same page, Mr. Money. Same page. I, I mean, I, it would have been it would have been nice to get into a heated debate over pickleball, but I'm not. I'm not going to stand in the way, especially because I just think again, doubles tennis is the move. Everybody, it's they already it already exists. It's called doubles tennis. You stand around. Gonna, you have a partner. You don't have to run a lot. You get to use the alleys. It's all good. My passion level for the pickleball argument, by the way, if you had spouted off a bunch of facts about how fast it was growing and yeah. what it was doing and how big it was going to be, my passion level was so high. I probably said, oh, all right, didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so either one of us could have been swayed, but you know, we, we picked the same side. All right, Andy Mass, great job as always. The, the Joker, still looking for number 24, but tell you what, he, he played great. Overall, and he lost to a guy who played a bit better. And we're here. To, we're here to talk about it, and we're here to talk about the U.S. Open. And we'll, we'll see. We could get some more history opportunities uh, from Flushing uh, in what September. So we'll, we'll go from there. But anyway, Andy Maz, stick around for a minute. Wait, 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 oh, what do you got? Wait, wait, wait. I, I have. A, would you like to hear the weird event that happened since the last time I was on the pod that, uh, that is pod friendly? Oh, of course. 
So my neighborhood has a tennis tournament. I live in a I live in a gated community, you know, t- typical Florida. And there's there's a few tennis courts down there, and and I'll play now and then. Actually, Linda and I will play doubles quite a bit. Nice. Um, I like playing doubles because I'm all right at tennis. Um, fitness level little little low right now, so <laughs> playing singles is tough. Yeah. And Lin- Linda's um, in very good shape for the age 43. Was a pretty good athlete to begin with. So when we play doubles and we get, you know, a housewife who's wearing a cute tennis skirt and a cute tennis shirt and brand new tennis shoes and a brand new racket because she thought playing tennis would be cool, uh, we're always at a distinct advantage. Lynn's kind of my ace in the hole there. Nice. Um, and I know most of the guys in my neighborhood. I'm only friends with a couple. I just, I, I, I can't deal with the neighborhood drama. But yet I get a call from my, my buddy who's running the neighborhood tennis tournament. He's like, hey, we're playing today. Um you know, can you play someone who was, was supposed to play, um, can't, and, and we don't want to lose the tournament. I said, listen, I'm not going to come in and be the 16th seed and lose to the guy Wit, who, who I'm also friends with, but he's a tennis pro. He wins yeah. the tournament every year. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not showing up to be the sacrificial lamb. He's like, no, you're actually like the guy who's not playing is like the eight seed. So you're going to play the seven, whatever. You'll have a chance. I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm like, I'm actually down at the playground. Like I can, I can see you. You're a hundred yards away. I can so be I'm there. Like, yeah. I'm like, uh, do you have a racket I can borrow? I don't feel like going home. He's like, yeah, sure. I we just need someone to play. So I'm playing this big muscle head who I really don't know, who thinks the point of tennis is hitting the ball as hard as you can every time. Sure. I beat him. Quite handily. I ran him all over the court. I, I was on. My serve was off, but I, I, was, I, was, I was putting the ball in position well. And to be honest, I beat him because he wasn't very good. Sure. Um, this is a term where the top four guys are really good. Everyone else is just it, it is, a, is a hack. Yeah. He complained at the end of the match after um, I, I, I beat him two sets to zero. He complained because in the rules, it says you must wear proper tennis attire. Oh, my gosh. And I was wearing Crocs, and I beat him. Yeah, you don't want to call attention to that, buddy. (laughs) You do not want to call attention to the fact that a guy was wearing lesser shoes and still beat you in straight sets. What I said to him is not pot-friendly. But I told him in a nice way that you just lost me wearing Crocs. I'm wearing Crocs. You are a loser. That's, yeah, and, I, and I'm sure it was more colorful than that, and it should have been, because you just don't tattletale, period, but you tattletale, and then you basically said, this guy beat me, and his shoes aren't regulation, but they're not helping him win. They're actually helping me win, and I still lost to him. Yeah, dude, you played yourself after playing yourself. Like, this is a neighborhood tournament. It's not sanctioned by anybody. Well, There's no entrance. And, and honestly, There's I mean, like, you, you, you already hit it. It's like, well, I mean, you're not playing with your own racket. You were down the road 100 yards away at the playground. They needed players bad enough to let you play in Crocs. It's not your job to lose this guy. Yeah, I mean— had I known it was going to go that way, I may have smoked a cigarette during the match just to rub it in his face. Just to have not proper decorum? Yeah, nice. I like yeah. it. Bobby Riggs. I like it. <laughs> Classic. Oh, and, and I, I, I got... What was that? Smoked in, I got smoked in the second round of the tournament. I don't think I touched the ball. Well, hey, you'll always have that win, and you went one and one and that's 500. That's pretty good. Yeah, and, and, and hey, one can argue that I had sneakers for the second round. Yeah, you know what? Well, you, you probably would have been better. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. Hey, stick around for a minute. We'll catch up. Everybody else, Philbuster Freestyle, 
Andy Maz, back better than ever, dominating all the way from Florida. You got to love it. Andy, thanks for being on, pal. Living it, loving it. Thanks, you have money.